Welcome to Good Morning, the podcast on a mission to open up the conversation around grief and loss with honesty and humour. Hosted by Sally and Imogen, we interview interesting guests to hear how losses shape their lives. Join us as we laugh, cry and drop the odd F-bomb. Welcome back to the Good Morning Podcast. Hi, guys. Hi, Sal. Hey, Im. I still miss you, mate. <laughs> I miss you so much. It is not oh. the same. What is this, like, our eighth week without seeing each other now? Actually, it's probably been longer It's longer. Than yeah, it's a lot longer than that. Ten weeks, maybe. Too I stopped long. counting. Oh, my God. How cute are you with your little birthday cards in the mail today? You know oh. me. I like to be organised. I am two weeks early. Honestly, you put a little. So weeks. for listeners, my birthday is coming up, and so is my partner Ben's. And Sal sent me a little package today, and in, included two little birthday cards. And on mine, it said, "Don't open till the fourteenth of September." I'm like, obviously, I'm going to open it. <laughs> <laughs> I hope Ben's card's all right because I was in the post office, and like I didn't have much time to browse, so I like grabbed what, like you know the first one that looked like decent so yeah can't can't forget Ben you're so cute I can't handle you <laughs> how are you doing anyway I'm okay yeah I just woke up from a really deep nap you know those naps where you like wake up and you're like what day is it what time is it where am I yeah <laughs> yeah one of those ones um it was it was much needed I think I've just been doing a lot but also nothing at the same time, <laughs> doing a lot in my mind. I think my mind's been on overdrive a lot lately in lockdown. Um, but yeah, how are you going? Yeah, I'm all right. Um, I, I've had a few griefy days recently. I think it's just lockdown. Like we said before in our lockdown episode, like sitting with your thoughts um, more so than normal, like has definitely brought on a few grief sessions for me. Um, but I had my first jab on um Friday last week and I tell you what it knocked me out like I was like really like on my back the next day it was only for one day though and I think that's quite normal um but yeah I have not felt that ill for a long time but good to be good to be halfway on the way to being vaccinated and you've had yours as well haven't you yeah I had mine but I was fine I just had like massive arm pain I couldn't even lift my arm up but um yeah, no, I was fine. But I think the set, cause I got a Pfizer. So I think the second one is supposed to knock you out. So I'm just going to clear that day out of my schedule, even though I've got nothing going on, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, heard it knocks you around. Glad you bounced back. Thanks mate. Oh my God. I've got to tell you about my Coles situation. Oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned it in WhatsApp, but you haven't told me. Oh gosh. So for our regular listeners, you'll know that anxiety is something that I have suffered with for quite a lot, long time. And we've covered it in a whole episode as well, what grief anxiety can look and feel like. Mm. Um, but I thought that I was quite on top of my anxiety lately. And I was in Coles two days ago doing my weekly shop and I was halfway through scanning all the items and I had the biggest panic attack that I've ever had in my life. It was oh, so yeah. frightening. Um, but I think the good thing is because I have had anxiety before, I was like, I know what these are, like these symptoms are, it's really scary, but I'm pretty certain that I'm not dying. I'm having a panic attack. So I just pushed through it, but I tell you what, bloody hell, like my heart was pounding out of my chest and I was like getting chills. I started feeling like I looked down at my hand. I'm like, oh my God, why do my hands look like that? You get this weird like derealization feeling as well, depersonalization, um, which people who have experience and will know exactly what I'm talking about, where things around you don't feel real. And then it was that bad. I was like, should I tell someone right now that I need help or just keep pretending that I'm okay? What did you do? I kept pretending like I was okay. <laughs> and I was like chucking things on the conveyor belt going, oh my God, just hurry up and get me out of here. I just need to get out of here. If I was still shopping, I would have just aborted the trolley and ran outside. But because I was like mid-checkout, I couldn't. Oh, um... oh and I think that was just making it worse. Um, so... I basically just was trying to do box breathing, but obviously I was wearing a mask. So I had to take my mask off and I'm like, great. People are probably looking at me now going, oh, he's this, you know, selfish bitch. <laughs> I was like, but I'm low key dying right now. And um, so I was doing my box breathing 
and then just pushing through, like I pushed through like nobody's business. And then I saw there was like a bench seat near where the register was. So I just ran and like quickly sat there for a bit while she was scanning things really slowly and um, put my head down because I thought I was going to faint. So that's another, that's another symptom. And um, then I was like, oh, maybe it's my blood sugars because I didn't eat much that day. I just had a croissant and that's about it really. And which is bad. I should have eaten more, but I was busy. Um, so I was like, oh, I'll probably just quickly eat something and I'll feel better. So I opened this packet of biscuits that I'd bought and was shoving one in my mouth, but my mouth was so dry. They were like crumbling all over the floor. (laughs) And I was like, shit, my mouth is really dry. I need a drink. And then I opened like, I had a pineapple juice carton thing. So I just opened the pineapple juice, started sculling it. I'm like, God, imagine (laughs) what people think of me right now. Anyway, and then she's like, oh, do you want your $10 Coles thing off? I was like, yes, please. Would you like your receipt? I'm like, oh, yes, please. I wanted to get the fuck out of here right now. And then got out. And then for the next hour or so, my body was just trembling because of all the adrenaline. Um, And then I was Googling heaps of shit. And then, (laughs) but I'm all right. And I know that it was a panic attack. And I think just being armed with that knowledge that I know that that's exactly what that was and I'm not dying and I'm not having some weird heart condition or anything like that has helped me since then kind of just get over it. But bloody hell. Jeez, but yeah, that sounds like an intense Arvo. It always happens yeah. in supermarkets as well, doesn't it? For it's us? fluorescent lights. I'm telling you, <laughs> worst lighting ever. Sorted out, Coles. <laughs> I'm sorry that happened to you. Like, I mean good on you for pushing through with your pineapple juice oh. and your crackers but <laughs> <laughs> crumbling biscuits all over the floor like, i've just got this image in my head now you, it like, was all of those things that you've got in your, head. your mouth <laughs> it was all of those oh my goodness yeah yeah but i'm okay just had a lot going okay. on a lot going on like layla hasn't been well then we had a bit of a, a health scare in our family which is absolutely fine now but just yeah there's been a lot of things and then i think being in lockdown has just magnified everything really and have you been able to take it extra easy on yourself since and just try and like scale things back a bit oh yeah well I just woke up from that long nap didn't I (laughs) (laughs) definitely doing that yeah yeah so who have we got on the pod today yeah enough about us um (laughs) today we are joined by a very exciting guest she's a tv presenter and actress her name is lauren brandt and a lot of you aussies will know of lauren as she was a member of high five which is the children's group which we all know here in Australia, they're basically like the Wiggles. They're so good. Anyway, she was amazing in it. And she was also in I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. So Sandra, Lauren's sister-in-law, died from bowel cancer at age 41. And devastatingly, her cancer went undiagnosed for quite a long time. And by the time it was discovered, it was already in the late stages. Such a sad story. And Basically, Sandra's cancer went into remission, but then it came back and was terminal. And a big turning point for Lauren and her family was when Sandra went into hospital for what she just thought was a routine procedure. But she was actually told that she would stay there and ultimately die, which is heartbreaking. So, so sad. And over the course of a few weeks, as Sandra faced the end of her life, um, knowing that there was nothing that they could do to save her physically, Lauren made it her mission to support Sandra as best as she could spiritually and mentally. Um, and this includes a very special story that we that we talk about in the episode about a surprise marriage proposal and impromptu wedding. It is like the most heartbreaking and heartwarming story mixed in one. It really is. amazing. Um, And there's just so many lessons in this chat that I think will benefit um, you guys listening. And we talk about what it looks like when you are supporting a family member facing the end of their life, which is a big topic. Um, We also talk about um, a lot of when you have experienced, oh, wait, what am I saying? A big topic that we know a lot of you have experienced. Oh. We also talk about a topic that we know a lot of you have experienced and that is how to ask friends and your community for support. And that is something that isn't easy to do when you're grieving, but Lauren has done it and she's done it so well. And she talks about it in this episode on ways to do that because it's so important to make sure you have support. 
It really, really is. And she's got some really good tips on how you can support yourself, but how you can also get others to support you. And I know that's something that a lot of you guys have perhaps maybe struggled with or have messaged us about. So hopefully it will be, um, yeah, it will be helpful for you guys. And we also discussed the importance of our favorite thing, having a grief sesh, um, which many of you will know we are massive advocates for. Which um, Sal's which, been having a few lately. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I've been on the sesh. Oh, uh, actually, I had one yesterday. <laughs> I forgot to tell you, had one yesterday. It all came out. Yeah. I like, yeah, it was late last night, actually. I don't usually have them in the evening, but yeah, I had a big one and definitely felt better after it evening grief sesh yeah <laughs> impromptu, um, evening impromptu. Grief sesh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and we talk about you know why it's important to process your feelings um and let it all out and how to process feelings that come with a loss so there's lots of juicy topics we cover in this episode and lauren is just an absolute delight it was so nice to speak with her and yeah, we hope you guys take a lot from this conversation. We're really excited to, to share it with you all. So Lauren, earlier this year, you experienced a period of what you refer to as absolute twilight when your sister-in-law, Sandra, died from bowel cancer, age 41. Can you talk us through those last few weeks of Sandy's life and the decisions that you made? We've always said you should live like you. it was your last day. You know, you, if you find out that you're terminally ill, you shouldn't have to change your life radically. Like you should just live your life. Why wait until you have a terminal diagnosis? Um, but with with having Sandy sick and then then putting a time limit on, first of all, for the terminal diagnosis for like two years, and then it was only seven months later that she passed away. But then we kind of, then it was like, you've got five weeks with her left. So we kept getting these times and they kept getting made shorter. Um, but still, there was we were like having these realizations of things that we wanted to say or do with Sandy. And the weirdest thing was that we were in such a bubble, like in such a tunnel. But at the same time, we were also so open to so many, I feel like, external realms and like so much more connected to um, our purest essence of like human beings. So what ended up happening was... Uh, Barry and I, my husband now, <laughs> husband. Congrats. Congratulations. <laughs> um, look, we, we love each other and we know that we're going to be together forever. We had our children very quickly after meeting and life just got busy and we never really put an importance on getting married or anything. Um, but Sandra loved to celebrate love. Like she loved babies, she loved um, weddings, she just loved people and their birthdays and she loved celebrating um, moments and people and most of all love and especially a love for life. Like she never did anything so that she could later tell someone, oh, I did this or look at me. It was always just for herself. She just was constantly filling her cup with things that made her feel like she was making the most out of every day. and. She was very excitable. <laughs> she sounds incredible. Sounds yeah, like such a lovely so, woman. Oh, so lovely. Like, so lovely. The loveliest to the point of, like, <laughs> frustrating. Everyone just loves her all the time. I remember when I was, she was my sister, I was like, oh, we met Sandra. She's amazing. I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> How are you so nice? <laughs> yeah. And um, so I just knew that. Sandy and I talked about um, me getting married since I was a little girl. I was her bridesmaid. So Sandra was my sister-in-law, but she started dating my brother when she was 13 and I was three. And they've been together ever since. Yeah. So wow. I, so you a long, up, long time. Yes. All your I life grew up with her since I was three. So she was my sister. I always called her my sister. And um, I had been engaged previously before and, you know, asked to be my maid of honour and we were planning everything. I was so excited, but. I secretly knew deep down from the start I was never going to go through with it. <laughs> I only realised that in a totally inappropriate way. But anyway, um, we kind of almost got to that stage and we were excited, you know, that her and I were going to be at a wedding. It, the groom didn't even matter at that time. <laughs> we Hilarious. <laughs> um, and we had been at, you know, her wedding and her other brother's weddings and I just had this thing like I don't know if I can get married and enjoy a wedding once Sandy's passed, like for myself. 
I just, it will just be sad. And like my main person who was always going to be by my side will not be there. Um, so I said to Barry, okay, we're getting married. He's like, yeah, <laughs> that's how romantic <laughs> it was. I said, I really want to do it while Sandy's still here so she can be my maid of honour and sign our witness papers. And, and um, he was all for it. He was amazing through the whole the whole thing. But I felt selfish because by this stage she was really on the decline. She got told she couldn't leave the hospital anymore. She probably only had about two weeks to left two weeks left to live and she has her husband and her two children and I didn't want to make any of it about me so I did have this moment where I thought is this something Sandy would want or is this me being selfish and I really really Mm -hmm. had this tug of war going on for days and days and days um so we just decided to talk to her husband my brother Tyron and we said to him hey Barry and I want to get married and we told him the reasons and he got this huge smile on his face. He said, well, firstly, congratulations. We are like, oh, yeah, yeah, I suppose that's the thing. <laughs> okay. Um, and then he said, oh, guys, I've got to be honest with you. Sandra did like, has not shut up about you guys getting married. To the point where I had to tell her, oh. Sandra, just leave it. They'll do it when they're ready. But apparently she was asking Tyron to have private conversations with Barry, asking him what's taking so long. And oh. like... Yeah, and he said, I think it's amazing and she would love it. And then Barry said, well, I did ask your dad over a year ago and got his permission, so I think we're good to go. He was ready so was to like, go. Oh, yeah, Aww. yeah. And then um, the crazy Amazing. Was, so what were oh, the logistics? So I thought you like, just how could you... go elope in a court or something. I just called uh, our celebrant friend and was like, can you marry us? She, and she said, no, you have to um, fill out a intended notice of marriage form and you take it takes 30 days to get approval oh no and they thought the only way that you could um get it that shortened was if it was actually the bridal groom who was terminal and um like I said to you before that I you know there was no sense of abiding by laws or rules like everything just went out the window watching when you're watching someone you love pass away so I was like uh, no but that's I'm not accepting that. Yeah, just so got to make it happen. So I just marriages and I was on the phone to them for ages and they said I could apply because one of the um, wedding party was terminal. And then um, Tyron just helped me get the oncologist to write a letter and then we had to get all our documents ready and our celebrant was amazing and we got everything ready in that afternoon. It was just a couple of hours and sent it through and then the next morning we had to wait for the um, approval. And the next morning was actually what was my scheduled time to have my last conversation with Sandra. So what I mean by that is she was losing her ability to communicate and she wanted to have, give everyone the opportunity, probably more so for her close friends and family to say anything they wanted to say, have no regrets or yeah, it was, it was extremely hard. So she had gone through all her friends and then the last bunch of people were her family. And so I was the next morning and um, I hadn't got the approval yet. And I was waiting and I was on the phone to both deaths and marriages before I went in to see her like, Oh, have I got the approval? And they didn't. Um, and I went into Sandy's room and we had this chat, which was just, I was so, um, I wouldn't say I was nervous or anxious. It was just, it was just such a, it was too much like the idea that this would be my last real conversation. Mm-hmm. Anything that I really wanted to say had to be now. Um, so I really had to. It's hard to yeah, comprehend, isn't it? It's just hard yeah, to like get I your mind around. I had to write around. notes the night before and I had, and I went and bought a crystal to try and like ground myself in the moment. Um, and what I said do that you to her. say? You know, what do you say yeah. in that final conversation of a whole lifetime of a relationship with this person? Like, it's just, yeah. I'd... Yeah. Really so um, we were so blessed that we got to, though, as, at the same time. You know, some people don't, that if it's a sudden death, they don't get that chance. So we were really lucky that Sandra was um, willing to do that with everybody because she was also exhausted. You shouldn't want to hear about how much people loved her and <laughs> crying and all of that. Um, but we ended up having the most beautiful conversation. We just talked about um, memories and our lives together and how much we loved each other and how rare our situation was and how unique it was and um, 
they were so grateful and thank you. And it was actually so beautiful. We ended up, you know, beaming with smiles rather than crying. And um, everything I promised her that I would do in, in the ways of looking after her children and, and being there for Tyra, and she knew. She didn't need me to say it. She's like, I know all of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so it was nice because there was also so much that was unspoken. And that was cool. That was one of the best parts is just like, it was just a moment with her and I on our own. And it was just something to cherish. And, and then I said, oh, can I film a video of us? Cause I felt like so happy in that moment. And I filmed us. And while I was filming, I thought, I'm just going to tell her now that we're getting married and she's going to be a, my maid of honor. I've just decided that I'm getting the approval. I feel it in my intuition. And so I asked her and she was like, what? Are you serious? I think she must have said, are you serious? <laughs> Five times. Um, and then she's like, switch the phone off. Let's talk about this. <laughs> and um, as I switched the phone off, my message came through from the celebrant saying we got approved. So. Wow. If that's not a sign. Amazing. Yeah, I know. So, and then I just said to her, um, yeah, so we've just like, I would not get married without you. If it wasn't happening now, I don't think it would happen. This is how important you are to me. And she got this like energy all of a sudden, you know, she was, she hadn't eaten now by three or three weeks and she got all of this energy and Tyron and the kids came in the room and then um, Barry, my partner came in and he, she's like, oh, congratulations. I heard you're getting married. And Barry was like, yeah, I just haven't actually asked the question. And then he got down on one knee at the end of her bed and asked to marry me. And Sandy was Aww. like, <laughs> she's like this Disney character sitting Aww. in her bed um <laughs> just like just loving love like she was so happy and I just thought oh yes this was a really great idea like my whole reason for um like I thought the only thing that I could do while Sandy was sick was bring her mental health I wasn't a doctor I couldn't heal her I couldn't come up with stuff but if I could keep her spirits high and and her heart happy, then um, I could help her extend and enjoy her life. And I just felt like in that moment as well, I was like, oh, yes, this has made her happy. Like, I'm so happy. Um, and we said, okay, so should we go get married now? And everyone was ready. The celebrant, um, I had a photographer on standby, but I didn't tell her what for. I just said, I might need you to take some photos of something. <laughs> and um, it was pouring with rain, but we all just decided we told the rest of the family and everyone was available. I said, let's all drive down to sunflower fields because Sandy loves sunflowers. And she was wanting to go there with um, her family anyway for, as her last outing. And we just went and eloped. And it was the most amazing moment I've ever experienced in my life. And that's what I was talking about with the purest love and um, ecstasy, but also the deepest tragedy and heartbreak at the same time. Like we couldn't have had that. Mm -hmm. You know, when they say you have to go through the dark times to have the light mm -hmm. times, it was actually happening yeah. at the same thing. It was the yin and yang at the same time. Intertwined. Um, yeah, yeah. It wouldn't have been that special and that, um, perfect if it wasn't because of the reason that we were in so yeah so that was really mm. amazing um and that whole day such a beautiful yeah. thing to do and like you say like trying to keep her you know you know that you can't save her physically but being there to lift her spirits and what a thing yeah. to do you know as her sort of final sort of moment with you guys really outside of the hospital it just absolutely you have, to, you have to tell us about the sunflower sign that you had the other day your son Houston he came oh. in oh tell us about that sign we love signs by the way we're all for signs so yeah, well, this is a great time to talk because I've had so many signs this week and I haven't had them for ages. Um, Sandy loves sunflowers. She just said every time she saw a sunflower, it made her happy, made her smile. That was pretty much as simple as it was. And she organised, she asked me to organise little um, gifts at the funeral for everyone, which was sunflower seeds with a personal note from her. And um, she just wanted people to plant them. She goes, they can plant them, but they don't have to. <laughs> Their choice. <laughs> I love Sandy. Um, she sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> like she's like they don't have to. But anyway, she just said basically when she sees the sunflower, when you see sunflower, and if you think of her, smile, be happy, don't be sad. And um, 
we obviously eloped at the sunflower fields. My boys are four and two years old, so they're still little. And um, we just, a lot of friends sent sunflowers afterwards after, um, after she passed away. And we just like to have them in the house. So we go to a shop and they got some sunflowers. We'll just buy some. We can see you've got but, some beautiful ones behind you there now. Oh, can you see them up there? Yeah, yeah. in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> Let me show you. Hold on. This this will only work for people watching. <laughs> there they are. Oh, they're you know beautiful. What, when I, <laughs> so oh, when I bought beautiful. them, they were the saddest looking sunflowers. It's Barry rare to get a bunch I, looking so good, actually. Barry went and got them for me and they were so sad. And then I'll tell you what happened this week. And now they're so happy. They're, so I think that's quite special. Oh, they're um, gorgeous. So... Uh, Barry walked in with them and my two-year-old and he he doesn't speak too well but he spoke so clearly and he said ah beautiful flowers daddy and Barry said oh yeah they are aren't they and he said yeah they're Sandra and we're like what oh my god and Barry and I just felt like this deep there's just this deep presence of Sandy and we looked at each other like whoa because we've never said sunflowers are sandy's favorites or anything mm. and um and yeah he just said yeah they're auntie sandy and um i just started crying <laughs> straight away yeah it's funny with signs isn't it we were talking to leslie kane who wrote surviving death um the other week about signs as part of our conversation and we were talking about how you just know, like for some people, when you say I received a sign, yeah. I think you sound bonkers, but actually when you're in that situation, you just know it's them and you just have a feeling. Yeah. There's like an energy. I have to, yeah. I have to like agree with you because um, like some people might think, oh, your two-year-old just said Auntie Sandy. <laughs> like it's not a thing, but I think it's the feeling that we, we felt with it. So yes, it's exactly, she's exactly right. Yeah. Exactly right. And, um, and then the next day, uh, Houston was telling me again, he said, oh, there's Auntie Sandy looking at the flowers. And he told me that she t- uh, took him for ice cream and was telling me about the color ice creams. And then I said, and what did Auntie Sandy say? And he said, I love you, mummy. And he is the most unaffectionate child. Like he, does, he doesn't just say, I love you, mummy. And so I just smiled and I said, I love you too, Sandy. I just assumed that was for me. I just took it. I was like, I'll take that one. Um, and Miller was sitting in the sun just today. And he said, oh, the sun is so beautiful. I said, I know it's nice. He goes, the sun is Auntie Sandy. Oh, I know. Aww. And we don't, we don't put these words in their mouth. And I just believe my children are very yeah. connected to the spiritual world anyway. And I think Sandy visits them a lot. Um, yeah, so this week's been quite special as in regards to signs, but I was asking her for them. I'm like, I, we speak about you every night. We say goodnight to you and I haven't like felt you in ages hello <laughs> can you come visit me well apparently like oh, yeah she's apparently kids are very she's open to strong. connecting with spirits as well because they don't have all those guards like we do and yeah spirits yeah. definitely can connect with kids really easily which is beautiful yeah and you know while um sandy was really in her last couple of days i actually felt like um she was sort of transitioning between the worlds like we could when she was hallucinating and we could actually feel like her soul and her spirit was leaving her physical body and then we would notice when it came back and she was also having conversations with angels in her hospital room Mm -hmm. and um telling us like we were supposed to know like can you not see him sitting there and we, I also became very open and I felt like I was in this twilight zone as well because I started getting like quite strong messages and visualizations that as she passed away, I had so much calmness and I could just see what she looked like with these big fluffy angel wings. And that afternoon I saw her like tiptoeing along the roof of her house and so much fun watching all of us gathering. And um, yeah, I wow. was really, I was also in this like realm of just spiritual openness for a couple of weeks and every single day my children found a feather for maybe two or three weeks and then it kind of I think as I kind of got back into reality that slowly started going but I I I try to tune into it as much as I can I also feel like she's like really deep now in, in the in the spiritual world or the cosmos like I think she was quite close to us still having just had her soul leave her body but I think she's 
really started to enjoy whatever adventure she's on. Back to what you were saying um, when she was at the end of her life and she was having those experiences, there has been a lot of research done on that. So in Surviving Death, the Netflix documentary, they have a whole, a whole episode um, about the end of life and people that were in palliative care having similar experiences of that where they were talking to God or, you know, seeing spirits and archangels and and kind of coming in and out of consciousness, I suppose. Um, so, yeah, what you've described is exactly, mm. yeah, this research behind it is quite phenomenal really because we do believe that consciousness does live on after we die and, and when somebody dies, like, that's not the end. No. You know? We we couldn't ignore, no matter if, like, everyone's different takes in our family, who's religious, who's not, who has spiritual guides, who doesn't, like, no matter what our takes were, none of us could ignore that there was something really special going on. And my brother said perfectly at the funeral, like, whatever you believe, there's no arguing that an amazing energy has been returned into the universe. So that's I mean that's what we all are we're all energy and it was just this idea that the energy continues and whatever way you wish to visualize that or feel that it's there in and that was something that can't be ignored and um yeah I think it was the most tragic experience of our entire life but wow like witnessing death so intently mm. um was the most uh, I don't even know the word like profoundly real um that was just the biggest in regards to experiencing so many different emotions and um realizations mm. in one go and you've described seeing Sandra's uninhabited body as she passed. And, and we didn't see our mums as they passed because they died suddenly. So we weren't there for the moment they went. But from many of the conversations that we have had with um, guests and friends, you know, everyone has uh, described it as the same thing um, as, you know, you're seeing this, this, that their spirit mm. made them um, and that you, when they're gone, they're no longer there. Their body looks different. It's like it's, it's quite a... a, a Uh, a strange but in a way comforting experience yeah it is a very strange experience because you just see like day and night Mm. okay that was Sandra and now it's a body Mm. yeah they lose their it's just Just a vessel vessel. and and you can touch and hold and we were all you know still stroking her hair and holding her and kissing her while she was still warm and everything but it was just more for us like not wanting to not let go but from the second that her breathing stopped she was not there. Lauren we are very big advocates for what we call having a grief sesh which Mm. is where we actively schedule in time to draw out our grief so you know we get the photos out we put the funeral song on we really kind of let ourselves grieve and you have said before that you've learned to lean into (laughs) your grief so can you talk us through how you cope with your grief? I think grief sessions are a great idea and one thing I've noticed with um, myself and friends is I just don't even try to explain it to people that just don't get it. And when I meet someone who does get it because they've been through it, I'm like, oh, okay, we don't actually, it's, we don't have to talk about it. We just know. So it is, has actually been um, kind of lonely, I guess, in the outside world. Like I've got my family, but we're all living in our own ways. And But yeah, I don't really know. Like it's, it's just it's a huge thing that's happened to us and a huge thing that's changed my life. And um, I what I found is that you have to get comfortable being uncomfortable. So every time any human feels something that they consider a negative emotion, they will just try and avoid it, like do everything at any cost to avoid it, but it doesn't go away. It's still there. It's just hidden somewhere and it's affecting you in some way. So I found that like when we call leaning into it is that when those emotions come, you invite them. When those feelings come, then you invite them. By no means are they enjoyable, but it's comfortable. It's like, okay, I know what this is. I know where it's come from. I know I have to get it out. 
I think the scary part of going into it is it's like, oh, am I going to stay feeling this really awful forever? It's like you go into it to come back out of it. Like you'll always come yeah. back out of it, but it's so important to, to go in there. Um, yeah, permanence is a really, I found permanence is actually something that Tyron taught me. He said people get into the spiral of getting upset and grieving and then they just apply it to every aspect of their life like I'll never ever be happy with anything ever again I'm going to feel this bad forever um and sometimes it's just about having a cry and not even thinking about where it's come from or what it's for or how it's going to affect you and just to take away the permanence of it and just like let it be for that moment and then once it's passed it your whole life isn't ruined your whole life isn't over you can move on um but people do have to uh, sometimes like catch themselves from spiraling into making it more than what it is. Sometimes it's just a release Absolutely. for a very good reason. Like you would deserve to have that release. You're sad about something and those feelings are so valid. And I think that's a really common feeling to have after loss. And I think, I know I said it to myself and I know Sal probably said it to herself as well, where I'm never going to be happy again. How can I ever be happy again? But I think mm. it's really important to remind ourselves that happiness is just an emotion. It's not a state of being. Like we're not going to yeah. just be happy for the rest of our lives or sad for the rest of our lives. We're always going to fluctuate through emotions. And it's really important to, like you said, remove that permanence from those, you know, deep feelings because yeah. it changes. I actually struggled with, um, struggled with guilt as well. Um, enjoying my life when Sandra had lost hers. Like I really struggled with that. And um, while she was passing and after she had passed, I had so many things to be happy for. I mean, I've got the most beautiful children, such a supportive partner. And then when you take away like people, there's just so much in the world to be happy for flowers, sunshine, rain, like, there's just, there's so much that you, so much beauty to be found. You just have to choose to see it. Um, but I was, I had a real block. I felt really guilty in enjoying anything and saying it now, it actually feels kind of weird because now I'm the complete opposite because I know, first of all, Sandra would not be okay with me being that way. Like if for anything, she would want her suffering to make us enjoy life more, not be sad. So um, I had to really like get over that in some way. And it just happened in time. And it must've been from little signs that she was giving me, I think, because I ended up um, ex like realizing that I wasn't doing her any justice by feeling sad. Yeah. And I had to, I had to live the best life I could for myself, first and foremost, and in honor of her. So she didn't get to live probably half of it, I would say. And you had a very powerful moment of realization after Sandra passed away when you were passing people on the street and you realized that nobody knew the tragedy that you were facing. And I think that can be quite hard to get your head around when somebody that you love dies, but it doesn't impact anyone else. And you're kind of like, how mm. can something that's so major to me not mean anything to anyone else, you know, within reason? So yeah. can you talk us through that moment and what it's taught you as, as you articulated it so beautifully? Because it's such an important message. Yeah. Well, when we had just left the hospital after seeing Sandy pass and seeing her body getting wheeled out and her husband and her children following, um, getting in the elevator for the first time after all that had happened in the hospital was totally different. I realized that every single time I'd been in the elevator, every single day for the last five weeks, I wasn't aware at all about what the other people around me could be going through. Yeah. I'd just gone through the worst possible thing. And I thought, oh my God, I have just been ignoring the fact that there's other people are going through their own things and it could be great or it could be terrible, but just the selfishness, I think I felt within myself at that stage going, uh, okay, I really need to be accepting towards other people. And there was when Sandy had passed and all of us were sitting in the waiting room, there was a man that came because his mum was in the um, room and the mum was getting her nails done before she <laughs> went into surgery. And he thought he would walk into the waiting room on his phone and talk really loudly. And I was furious. Wise words. I had <laughs> so much words. rage and I like stomped up to him and I'm like, someone's just died. And like, can you be quiet or can you go somewhere else? And, and he was so shocked. And 
I realized, well, that could have probably been me any other day before I had experienced this myself, like just not being aware. And mm. um, when we got in the car and we just drove and everything felt weird, I, it's kind of like when you've um, had a baby for the first time, every footstep you take after that is your new, is the first thing you're doing as a mum. And it was like every single action that I took after Sandy passed was the first thing after witnessing death. And they're the complete opposite. One's life, one's death. And mm. um, it, it, yeah, like when you are opened into the world of motherhood, you're opened into the world of understanding having lost someone so close to you. Um, this is it really affects you. So we like went to a drive-through because I needed to get a hot chocolate or something because I needed to get my um, sugar levels up. And she was like, "Hello, how are you?" And I was like, "Good." Yeah. Like, what can I get questions like, never chocolate. good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, I just a hot chocolate and I was just Definitely. vacant and I was driving and I was like, mum, like I feel like the entire world should be aware of what we went through and they're not. And I can understand that. But what I just realised is that every single one of these people have a story and I just watched the cars going around the roundabout. <laughs> I was like watching them going, every single one of them has a story and we have no idea what anyone's going through. All we judge them by is how they react to us. And so that was this huge life-changing moment of just being aware, like the only thing you can do is approach any person in any situation with kindness, um, not knowing where they've come from. Yeah. I think there is an openness that comes with death. Like you said, with motherhood, like you're open to this world of motherhood now and now we're open to this world of life after death and it Mm. really is like we are so much more compassionate than we used to be as well like we we had the same experience as you it's just you're just in a different realm and I know like I used to be quite bad on the road on the roads with like road rage if someone cuts me off I'd be like fuck you and now I'm like yeah that person's probably having a really bad day I'm just not even going to give that my energy you know you just it's just yeah it's just really interesting And sometimes you don't even need to know know their story. Like you don't have to have a reason why they cut you off. You just accept that everyone's got their own thing going on. Everyone's going Um, through something. But you also have your tolerance levels change too. Like you are much more tolerant and kind, but then you also know when to put your foot down on something because you get this realisation of what's important in life. So you let a lot more things go and you're a lot more carefree and grateful, but then at the same time, there's just some things which you just won't accept. Yeah. And Sandra's dying request, Lauren, was for you to spread awareness of both what a gift life is and raise awareness of testing bowel cancer, which is so important. Can you tell our listeners how... Uh, we can get checked for bowel cancer and how many people you've helped since her passing by spreading her message. So the thing to remember with bowel cancer is it's not an old people's disease. They don't test for it um, if you go to the doctor till you're over 50. So uh, Sandy was probably 39 when she, uh, 38 when she first got it undiagnosed, but people get it much younger. Bowel Cancer Australia do a whole program called Never Too Young and it's like people will need early 20s getting it so um what you can do for yourself is just be aware of your health all the time um look out for any symptoms and it's not an obvious symptom it's a niggling symptom so something that you just haven't been satisfied with an answer or diagnosis or it's just not going away um but you can just go on to bowel cancer australia and look at buying an at-home bowel cancer screening test or you can go into most chemists have them um for some reason, they're normally really hard to find. So you got like, they'll be hidden on a shelf. So you got to ask for it. You can go to your doctor and ask for it. Some will do, some will like try to tell you all the reasons you don't need it. Um, but that's the first, that's the easiest step is to do an at-home bowel cancer screening test. The next thing you can do is a colonoscopy. And that's a great way to just go in for a little day surgery. And then they look at what's going on in your bowels. And if there's any polyps, which can turn into cancerous cells, they just cut them out while they're in the middle of the, of the surgery so um, and then they can send them off for testing and then you know maybe if your chances are higher of of them coming back and then you just stay on top of your health so just regular testing Um, another thing to remember with bowel cancer is you don't have to have a family history of it Um, last question from us Lauren 
um, a big component of getting through grief is having a support network and support from friends. Yeah. But sometimes people don't know what to say or do. And so that can often leave the person grieving, feeling a bit isolated. And I think mm. quite a lot of us have been through that. And we know a lot of our listeners have also experienced this. So how did you let people know that you needed support? And what advice would you give to anyone who feels like their friends have dropped away or maybe aren't stepping up for them like they should be? Yeah, that's a really good question <laughs> because I did some things I've never done before. First of all, I got into a really dark place myself. I think it was a mixture between grieving and having morning sickness and I just was awful and I kind of had to come up with a plan of action. So I asked Barry, my husband, to tell my friends that I needed their help. And he just messaged them and said, hey, Lauren's going through a really hard time. Make sure you're checking in on her, please, or whatever. And it's it does sound strange and they don't even know that, <laughs> but they do now. Um, <laughs> but I, I, it's kind of like I realised with Barry, if I don't tell him what I expect from him or what I need him to do in regards to helping me at home with the kids and stuff, um, I can't just have him assume like that I'm struggling. So you have to tell people when you're struggling and it's no different with your friends and family. And if they're not comfortable to be there for you, then your paths may go different ways. And that's totally mm. fine because we evolve and we change. And yeah. um, so let the people know around you what you're going through that. and what you need. Yeah, let them know what you need from them. Because I think people sometimes assume that they might not know what you need and we can like assume that they do and then when they don't show up for us we think oh they obviously don't care but I think sometimes you do need to give people a bit bit of direction especially if they yes. haven't been through a big loss themselves they might just not they might not know what to do so you have to give them the benefit of the doubt I think and kind of give them a bit of a helping hand to help you yeah so I think that's the easiest way just identify what you need and tell them um and what I did notice though is I had like a lot of support when Sandy was passing and as soon as she passed in a couple of weeks. And then I felt like my friends didn't want to be around me because I was the sad person. So they would check in, but they wouldn't like say, do you want to go catch up or do you want to do something? And I did feel like uh, because they hadn't been through of it, some of them, it was uncomfortable being around me. And, um, and I reached out to the Cancer Council who offer counselling to anyone who's been affected by cancer. So you don't have to have it yourself. You could just be affected by it, which, of course, I was. And um, I found that doing some counselling and just talking to someone that was so far removed was really perfect because I could just be so honest and I could be all about myself. Because whenever talking to my family um, or to friends, you're always kind of holding something back because of not sounding like a victim you don't want to sound like you're a victim or you know you're not the one that died or you didn't lose your mum or you didn't lose your wife so I would like kind of speak but not let it all out because I thought people had it worse than me and I didn't want to um, get judged in some way I guess it sounds quite strange but it's just a subconscious thing that happens I think I'm talking I think that's really common um if mm. not kind of a direct relation to the person who has died like I know a lot of siblings experience that as well where they yeah. feel like they need to silence their grief because they shouldn't be grieving as much as um their mum or dad who's lost a child so I think in that yeah it may fall into that category as well where you feel like you don't want to be the loudest griever in the room because other people should be more upset than you which is a really hard place to be especially when you've had such a close relationship with Sandy as well yeah, so that's exactly how I felt. And, and then when I did the counselling, it was just talking to someone who knows grief, who knows so many stories from cancer, and it, I could just say how I felt. And it was all about me, and that really helped me. It's been so moving and really beautiful to chat with you. Thank you so much. Thank you for holding this space. I really wanted to get Sandy's message out there and, and hopefully people can, yeah, just take something away from it because Sandy was just, all she said to us was she wanted her suffering to be worth it if she could save one person's life. And we already know that she saved a few and um, it doesn't exclude anybody. Cancer doesn't exclude anybody. So just put it in your memory rank. But the other important thing that I want to leave you with is she said, um, be on top of your health but don't live in fear. Make the most out of every day. Love the ones you love and find something every day to smile about. I love that. Wise words, Sandy.
beautiful legacy that Sandy has left and you're doing such an amazing job of spreading that awareness. And thank you so much for your time. Thank you, ladies. I really love that conversation and especially Lauren's advice on how to ask others for support. Literally one of the hardest things to do and she is so amazing and what a story. We really hope that you guys benefit from listening to this. And if you don't know already, uh, Sal and I have set up a Facebook group. It's a private uh, Facebook group called Good Morning Grief Community. And if you are needing just that little bit of extra support, please come and join. It is such a supportive and comforting environment. And everyone in there is so lovely, always willing to lend an ear any time of the day or night. It's such a nice place. So please do come and join and don't hesitate to do a post because I know it can be quite like daunting to do your first post, but honestly, everyone is so, so nice and supportive. So please come and come and join us there. And it's been really lovely to see people kind of joining in conversation and like. And connecting yeah, and making friends. It's been so nice. Oh and it's open to all yeah. types of loss. It's open to all genders and it's global. So no matter where you are, how long ago your loss was, what type of losses, everyone is welcome. And um, yeah, it's just been beautiful to see people connect and share in their stories and help each other out because that's what we need, don't we? Yeah. Oh my God, that lovely girl that was looking for her sale to her in. Yeah. Oh my God, that got me like crying. <laughs> so beautiful. So, so beautiful. Um, Yep. So head on over there if you if you haven't already. And also, we've got two exciting things, but one of them we can't actually tell you the details for, but we literally got the most exciting news to date yesterday, didn't we? Yeah, Sal? it's like, um, like, yeah, it's amazing. So exciting. So stay tuned for something very big. And also, we are going to be introducing another little segment to our podcast. It's something we've been thinking about for a little while now, and we think it's definitely the right time and it we're so excited for it it's going to be called grief tip tuesday and And it is going to be tips from you guys for you guys and we are going to be delivering them to you and we can't wait it's going to be really fun short segment just to give you guys some extra grief help because we all need it right um so keep an eye out for that that's going to be coming out on our social media and yeah we can't wait to share it with you all and we all hope you're having a good time wherever you are and we'll chat to you soon lots of love guys see you soon bye